I'm not wired up, but can you hear me back there? Yeah. While I'm getting my thoughts together, turn to the left or the right and say, I'm glad you're here. And then say, uh, will you be open to whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do in you? I, I'm, let's see, hear you say that. <laughs> ah. It is really a, a privilege to be here and <clears throat> stand in front of you. I'm a little nervous. I haven't done this one quite a while. But um, last week, Pastor Paul brought you a message uh, regarding the royal line. And it was just, the subject was the king and his kingdom, and the lineage of the kingdom was traced down through Mary and Joseph, according to Matthew and Luke's account of the Gospels. Who is this king? Who is the king? Thank you. That was a little weak. Can you say it a little stronger? All right. The last week of Jesus' ministry, he rides into Jerusalem, and the people line the streets with palm branches, and they shout, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And by the end of the week, though, the world, although they said had gone after him, the king is, has a different message. In John chapter 13, the account of the Lord's Supper that we're getting ready to take this morning is recorded. The king washes the disciples' feet, and he predicts the betrayer. Guess who shows up in that upper room other than the disciples? Satan shows up. It says in John chapter 13 that Satan put it into the mind of Judas to betray the Lord. And later on in that chapter, John 13, Satan enters him. Isn't that interesting? That here is the Lord instituting this wonderful Lord's Supper, but the enemy shows up. Now, <clears throat> I'm very well aware that the enemy does not want you to hear what the Lord has to say to you this morning. In that upper room, but Jesus comforts his disciples later, says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me, because in my Father's house are many dwelling places, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That's the promise we have. He's going to come again and receive us. But by the end of that week, the people had changed their message from blessed is he to crucify him. But death could not hold him down. On the third day he arose. And women had rushed to the empty tomb. And Mary is one of those women. And she thinks that he's the gardener until Jesus says, Mary. And she says, oh, Rabboni. And she puts her arms around his feet and does not want to let him go. She clings to him. I'm asking you this morning, 
Is your mind and your heart wanting to cling to the Lord? Stop clinging to me and go and tell. And she does. Jesus is alive. And for 40 days, Jesus appears to over 500 people. And he appears to the disciples. The disciples are instructed, go not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. John had baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Acts chapter 1. The King's Church, the Church of Christ is birthed. And now you are seated here this morning as the Bride of Christ, as His body, as His church. Every one of you who are believers, as you look around and look at each other, you have the Holy Spirit in you. The life of Christ has been imparted to you. The light of, and love of Christ is in you. So whatever takes place here this morning, it's because the Holy Spirit wants to manifest Christ in your life. Isn't that a profound statement? That we are gathered here and the Holy Spirit is in most of us. And the question is, what does he want to do with us this morning? I believe the church is a place where you can come and be fed and encouraged that you might grow in Christ. But it's also a place where you can be encouraged and healed. There's some of you that I know that are seated here this morning that could use a prayer of healing. We are saved from the wrath of God. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. So the Father wants to save you. He sends His Son to do that. And Romans chapter 5 spells out something very important to you. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice or exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint, because, watch this statement, the love of God has been poured out into Jack Allen's heart. <laughs> the love of God has been poured out into Corky's heart and Dee's heart. The love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Wow. Verse 6, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. So Romans spells it out pretty clearly. 
We're justified by faith. We have peace with God. And we have this introduction of faith into grace. And the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. What an awesome thing to think about. Galatians chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, but let me read it for you. When the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his sons into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. I grew up without a father in the home. I, my mom and dad divorced at a very early age of my life. I was probably 11 or 12. And I remember watching my father beat my mother. And I remember one day in Colorado Springs, Colorado, 1969, I heard about a father who would not leave you. He would not beat you. He would love you. And he would be with you forever and ever. And I said, yes. As I went down to that altar and knelt down and gave my life to Christ, I've never regretted that day. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 said, God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation. I said, Lord, you chose me? He chose from the beginning through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. And now I understand that I have been saved, that now I entered a time of boot camp. How many are here have been, are in the military or have been in the military? Some of you. You know what boot camp is about. <laughs> I remember standing in line with a bunch of young people and they standing there and this sergeant comes up and he said, There's one whisker right there. You need to go back in the barracks and get a razor, and I want you to bring it out here and shave. Dry shave. One whisker. Some of you (laughs) know what I'm talking about. But we're in a time of boot camp. We're in a time of preparation. The Scripture says we're aliens and strangers, and we are passing through. Jesus coming back for his bride. And he wants us to be holy and blameless. He wants us to be a bride without spot or wrinkle. It's time to get our wedding dress pressed out. The way to please the king, however, is to keep a short offense. Did you hear that? The way to please the king, and that's what I wanted to let you know about this morning, how to please the king who saved you, who wants to prepare you to live with him eternally. Getting out all the spots and wrinkles and to wash us. Because we are being prepared for eternity. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Because the Lord not only wants you to be saved, and He not only wants you to get prepared, but He wants to equip you to live while you're here. In John 10, the Lord said, I have given you life and I want you to have it to the fullness. I want you to have it abundantly. What keeps a person from living abundant life? 
Ah, that's what the communion table is for. We get a chance to get our hearts cleansed and washed, and then we can start afresh. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, uh, let's see, it's uh, 1 through 9. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens. Verse 2, according to the, the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that you may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. Now, I, I really want to challenge you this morning that no matter what the Lord speaks to you through the word of God, will you obey? Will you do what he tells you to do? Even now, the Holy Spirit can kind of uh, work on your heart and get you to think, Oh, I remember I did this or did that, and I need to ask the Lord to kind of wash me and cleanse me of that and get my heart right with him. Blessed be, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled, and it will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Each one of us has a reservation. And it's protected by the power of God, verse 5. In verse 6, and you can greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed, like Granville Maitland. You've been distressed by various trials. That the proof of your faith being more precious than gold. Verse 8, and though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. So, listen. We are to be equipped to live eternally. What will it take for us to walk holy and blameless before the Lord? What will it take for us to be filled with the Spirit, speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? What will it take for us to encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near? What will it take for us to really, 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 really love each other? This church was birthed in 1984, January the 29th. And I want you to know, a lot of people have come and gone, and you know, you've watched them. And some people get their feelings hurt and don't really bring it to the body, and then they just kind of fall away. They depart. I don't really believe that's God's plan, do you? I believe he wanted a family of God, an army of God, the bride of Christ, that would be a representation of the glory of the Lord in Nottaway County. The truth is we need each other. What's that scripture say? Uh, something about don't neglect. Some of you, that was a little weak. Don't neglect. Let me get a drink on that. Now, 
Second Peter, you don't have to turn to this, but I'll share it with you. God has given to you and to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. He's given you everything you need to live this life that is pleasing to the Lord. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and 8 talk about grace and peace, divine power, the knowledge of the king, precious and magnificent promises. Every believer in this room is a child of God. I know that because the scripture says, John 1, 12 says, as many as believed him to them, he gave power to become children of God. And no wonder the Lord said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I want you to know, and I taught this body from the very beginning, that we have four resources. You ought to jot these down. God gives you four resources. Number one, He's given you the Holy Spirit. Number two, He's given you the Word of God. That's John 15, verse 5, 7, 11. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it will be done unto you. He's given you the power of prayer. Jesus said, until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. What is it you want from the Lord? If he were standing here today, which he's in the room, by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit... What is it you want from the Lord? Isn't that a great question? What would you like for Him to do for you? Y'all look mesmerized. What is it you would like the Lord to do for you? Isn't that a great question? We need each other. I cannot stress the importance of needing each other. I don't know when's the last time you had anybody in this room call you up and say, just want to come over and pray with you. Just want to check on you. How are you doing? I just want to ask the Lord to bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you. Well, God had the plan to save you, to sanctify you, to prepare you for eternity. But I want you to know there is an arch enemy that showed up in that upper room. His name is Satan, and he's got a terrible plan. In John chapter 10, Jesus tells us about him. He's not only in other places in the Scripture like a roaring lion roaming around seeking whom he can devour, but he shows up. Here And Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. What does he want to steal? Isn't that a great question? What, is the, what does the enemy want to steal? Mark chapter 4, as he talks about the parable of the sower, he indicates that Satan is a seed snatcher. He wants to snatch the Word of God from your heart so that He might try to win you away from the Lord and steal your joy. Now, I don't know, but I've seen some Christians that I think they've been basking in the wrong barrel because they have pickle power. 
Secondly, the enemy wants to kill your body. He wants to take your life. He wants to get you depressed. He wants to convince you that you are unlovable. He wants to get you to think that you are worthless and invaluable. And he wants to whisper in your ear, why don't you just go ahead and drive off that road into that ditch and hit that pole? Anybody here ever had a thought planted in your mind that you thought, man, where did that come from? Raise your hand if you did. You ought to turn around and see how many people that's, has experienced that. That's the strategy of the enemy to whisper in your ear to stomp out your witness. Life is not worth living. I did counseling in Florida, and I met with 750 people. And I cannot tell you how many had those similar thoughts. Kill, maim, and destroy. What does Satan want to destroy? Isn't that a good question? Now, I once said, let me see your eyeballs up here. That didn't turn out real well, because I had two teenagers hold up those plastic eyeballs. <laughs> i tell you what the enemy wants to destroy. He wants to destroy this church. He wants to snuff out the witness. He wants to tear down families. He wants to destroy God's army, divide families, marriages. He wants to pit brother against sister. He wants to destroy this church. You all really need to hear this. <clears throat> you really need to understand that there is a strategy to divide and conquer New Covenant Fellowship. It would behoove you, behoove you to pray for your pastor. And I would, and his wife, and his family, that they would be empowered the Spirit of God, filled with the Spirit of God, and protected by the power of God. Satan wants you to also think worldly. If you will, turn with me, and we won't be long, turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. James, Peter, and John. Now, there's a way to become more than conquerors, and I'll get to that in just a minute. But I want you to see how John lays it out here, inspired by the Holy Spirit. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. Excuse me? We can just stop right there. Good. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. Here's why. We're celebrating our freedom this weekend. We have been set free as a nation, although it's, it's a question about certain freedoms. But in Christ, your citizenship is not here. You've been set free from the power of sin and death. You've been set free from the law. You do not have to work and, and try to save yourself. 
That's freedom. You can read Colossians chapter 3 and you understand. You've been set free to belong to Jesus and to live for Him because you know He's going to capture your heart and you'll live with Him eternally. 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. In the parable of the sower, there was a, I was reading that this week, and there was a statement that just captured me. It said that the, um, when the seed falls on certain soil, the enemy comes and tries to snatch that seed, but it also the worries of the world and the deceitful, uh, deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things. I thought, desires for other things will make you unfruitful. The desires for other things will make you unfruitful. Do not love the world of things that are in the world. You know why? John 17 says the world will hate you. The world will embarrass you. Is that right, Dwight? The world will embarrass you. I have a story about that world will embarrass you. I'm sitting in a restaurant, and there is a policy that I was not aware of, that it changes from lunch to dinner or supper at 3 o'clock. I was not aware that this change took place. So I'm leaving lunch, and I have ice cream and a little cake on my plate, and I walk by this um, facility. I walk by the, uh, the dish, and they have just put out shrimp. And I thought, oh, man, that really looks good. So I took three shrimp. I went and sat down at my, at the, um, in the booth, and I'm going to enjoy my shrimp along with my, <laughs> along with my ice cream and a little piece of cake. <laughs> the waitress comes over and said, 3 o'clock dinner time, take it off. I, I have never been accused of stealing food. But she said emphatically, take it off. What would you do? What would you do? She looked me in the eye and she said, I said, take it off. Scared me. Because I didn't know who was in the back with the machetes. So I took the three shrimp off. Humiliate. I'd never been accused that way with this, such disrespect. The world will hate you. Chapter 3 of First John. See how great 
a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know Jesus. So I thought, okay, the world out there does not know me, but Jesus does. Finally, here's the way to become more than a conqueror, how to defeat this enemy. God has a plan. Satan has a terrible plan. And James chapter 1, you can back up. You're in 1 John. You can back up to James chapter 1. And we're almost done. Let's read verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. I want you to know that Peter writes in his epistle, The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. And I want you to know that if you read Colossians chapter 4 and chapter 3, there is a challenge to put off the old man and put on the new. And in Ephesians chapter 6, it says we're to put on the armor of God. So on the way to church here this morning, we put on the armor of God. But here's what I want to share with you as we finish in James there. This, verse 19, This you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility... Receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. Verse 22, very powerful statement. Prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. I preached a message at this, for this church at the coffee house very early on. I had 12 pages of notes. I was really going to give it to them. I was really going to share all this stuff. I didn't pray for weeks for all this stuff. And I had written it all out. And I got there and I got ready to preach. And you know what happened? I could say one sentence. And the Holy Spirit would not let me say anything else. I, my mouth, my, my tongue would get stuck. I mean, I, it was kind of like I had something going on. I mean, I had a little, some kind of palsy. And uh, I couldn't say anything except this statement. Be ye doers. Of the word. Be ye doers of the word. You want to know how to please your king? Read the word of God and obey his voice. Read the word of God and obey his voice. Because all scripture is inspired by God, it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, training in righteousness. Be doers of the word. 
Now, you can't do something that you don't know. If you're going to be a doer of the Word, what do you do? you got to do something. you got to put the Word somewhere. Where are you going to put it? Psalm 119 says, I, uh, How does a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to thy word. I have laid up thy word in my heart that I might not sin against you, God. Lastly, Ephesians 4, and we'll end with this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. I had all kinds of other things to share with you. But we're going to stop here. feel like I've got the point across. Ephesians 4. All right, here we go. This is where you get a chance to exercise being a doer of the Word. Verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. See, that's that day is preparing you for But let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Now, here's the kicker. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving each other. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. We're getting ready to come to this table. We're going to sing a few songs, I understand, first. And while we sing, it might be a good opportunity for you to come up and say, Lord, I need to get my heart right because I have unforgiveness in towards someone. And I'm asking you to exercise the power of forgiveness. We already know that whatever we do in word or deed, we're to do it all in the name of the Lord. And it is the Lord Christ that we serve. We know that. And God's plan is to save you and sustain you. But And there is a strategy. The ruler of this world wants to snuff out your light. And the way to defeat the power of Satan is this. The Word of God and the blood of Jesus and exercising the power of love and forgiveness. So I want to stop now and I want to pray. I want to pray that if you're seated here this morning and the Holy Spirit's spoken to your heart and you've got anything in there that's kind of tugging on you and you like, you know, I really need to release this to the Lord and, and ask him to, to bring cleansing and healing and forgiveness, that you will have an opportunity while we sing. You could come up here and you can come up here and uh, Someone will come and pray with you, and we will turn it over to Dwight after we sing. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, you had a plan for us to be holy and blameless. You had a plan for us to be set free. And on this weekend, we want to walk in freedom. If there's anything in our hearts that's not of you, if there's anything in our hearts that towards someone else, If there's anything that's separating us, would you reveal it? Give us the strength and the unction to come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and show us our hearts. 
if the Lord's speaking to you, just quietly. Uh, where's Shane? You going to come and lead us in some music? And while we're singing, if you want to come up here and and uh, <clears throat> I'll ask some of the elders to come. And uh, you can be anointed with oil. You can kneel at this altar and you can pray and get your heart right with God. And we will take care of business here because you belong to the Lord. Is there anyone here that wants to just come and present themselves to the Lord? Why don't we stand? <clears throat>